TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, friends. Thanks for checking out the Touch Em All podcast. Derek Wetmore here. I spent yesterday at Target Field digesting the Paul Molitor news, figuring out what are the Twins looking for in their next manager, and more to the point, why do they need a new manager? I thought Paul Molitor was fine in the role. Yeah, I had my disagreements with the way he managed a team, like bullpen management. Um, some of his, I think some of his pitching decisions... He probably needed more support in that role. As I said yesterday, surprised, not shocked at the news. Um, when Falvey and Levine were hired, there there was speculation that they didn't want Molitor as their manager. And that was nothing against Paul, I came to realize. It was just, you run a baseball team, you want to pick the person to run the field staff. And the Twins leadership group did not get to do that. Um, Paul Molitor was inherited and then... One manager of the year. What are you going to do? Now one year removed from that, he's out. He's been offered another role with the Twins. Not sure if he's going to take it, but he says he'll consider it. And the Twins, from Thad Levine to Derek Falvey to Dave St. Peter to Jim Polad, they all say that they're optimistic he really will consider it, and they want to work with him. Leave it to the Minnesota Twins to have that kind of relationship with their recently excused manager. I thought I'd do something a little different on the podcast today. Phil Mackey and I jumped on Periscope yesterday and recorded a podcast in the wake of the news just before the press conference. So if you haven't checked out that emergency podcast, give that a listen. But here today, I wanted to give you guys an insight into the press conference at Target Field after the news came down. This, I sat down at 3 o'clock yesterday, and it was Derek Falvey, it was Thad Levine, and it was a room full of media um, some people with the Twins were there. We talked for probably about 20 minutes with the two people at the top of the Twins baseball ops department, and I picked out some highlights for you guys. We'll go through them. Then I jumped on the radio with Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Manny Hill to talk about the takeaways that I had. We'll jump into the press conference here quickly. I do want to point out one thing. Uh, it, we'll get to it in the radio interview, but basically if you're looking for – a quote-unquote reason, the number one would be the Twins are looking for a new voice. They're transitioning from Molitor as a manager for the long-term future of the Twins, and I think the most important thing, maybe it gets overlooked a little bit, they talked a lot about connecting with young players and nurturing that sort of championship environment. I, I, don't, I didn't hear those problems in 2017 when Molitor was taking the Twins to the wild card despite a sell-off at the trade deadline, but I do think there's something to be said for connecting with, as Thad Levine said, today's player or this new generation of baseball player. Let's jump into the press conference. Let me know if you guys like this version of the podcast. We certainly can do more of them as the winter progresses and on into spring training. I just kind of wanted to try it out and give you guys a peek behind the curtain. This first clip is Derek Falvey talking about the transition conversation he had with Paul Motter and the best long-term interest 
of the Minnesota Twins. He also mentioned, after a question from Charlie Walters of the St. Paul Pioneer Press, that they don't have a candidate in mind. We talked a bit about uh, a transition, uh, an opportunity to continue here with the Minnesota Twins, something that uh, harkens back a bit to a conversation we had even going back a year ago, knowing that uh, the future uh, of, of, of managing here for Paul, I think, uh, as, as Paul would have said himself, not managing forever, uh, but certainly understanding how much he wants to be a part of this organization moving forward. Uh, we discussed that, and I will say I, I am hopeful and uh, had, we feel had some good conversations around what that looks like moving forward. Um, but today, uh, certainly difficult decision, a complex decision, but uh, something we feel is in the best long-term interests of, of this club right now. Uh, at this moment in time, we felt this was the, uh, this was the move for this baseball team, uh, both in the, in the shorter term here and then as we build toward the long-term future. So, That will open it up for questions. Charlie in the front. Charlie Walter, St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, Derek, do you have somebody in mind right now? We're going to work through a process, uh, certainly uh, an exhaustive one, and going through uh, uh, who we will seek to find as the next manager of the Minnesota Twins. I will say this, that uh, we focused really all of our energies and efforts over the last couple of days um, to think through how we wanted to, to work through this with Paul. And at this stage, certainly we'll work through a candidate list and begin our search in earnest now, but there is no one candidate at this point. Thad Levine jumped in and answered a question about the sort of talking about the young core of players that the Twins have. You saw that was more or less stagnant in 2018. Even Eddie Rosario's great first half sort of petered off, and the final numbers don't look so great. The point is that if the Twins get some of their young players back on that star track, they'll be in pretty good shape, Thad Levine says. I, I think we're looking a little bit more at some of the individual performances on our team. So I think what we're aspirational of controlling is identifying that young core of players that we've talked about for years uh, in this community and applying ourselves this offseason to try to have those guys collectively take a step forward. Uh, and I think if we do that, the wins and losses will probably take care of themselves, and the gap right now that we see between us and the Cleveland Indians will start closing pretty rapidly. Derek Falvey later was asked about the timeline to hire a new manager. I would think in terms of time frame, certainly uh, there are a number of other teams that are seeking managers right now. There'll be a, pr a process that we need to get started immediately to catch up to some of those clubs. Uh, and uh, at the same time, we won't put a specific time frame on it. We want to find the right person for the Twins for the long term. Uh, but uh, I, would, I would imagine it will, it will take multiple weeks. And here's an important point. Falvey talked about the win-loss record, the fact that the Twins went from 85 wins to 78. That's not a huge step backwards, but as Falvey notes, it was not about wins and losses. When we made this decision, I can tell you this wasn't just about wins and losses. You know, right now at this moment, it was about where our club is for the, for the present and the future. Um, and I, I've said that to Paul this morning. I'll, I'll say it again. This wasn't about our record this year. This is about what we think is best as we continue to grow a young team in the direction toward being uh, a championship contender. It only took us 11 minutes as a media to get into the questions about, quote, the analytics. Will analytics play a role in the hiring of the Twins' next on-field manager? I, that's always going to be a part of any um, decision we make, and we've talked openly about use of information and data and otherwise as part of what we do across baseball operations. I will say this to follow that up, though. I, you know, Paul, in particular, was incredibly open-minded to different things that were, were brought along the way, and I want to make it clear that that's not something that was 
something we were concerned about with Paul along the way. But you know, we have new information every day. You know, there's new data coming in, whether it's you know, TrackMan or StatCast or everything else that gets talked about every night. We all need to find ways to adapt and use that to the best of our abilities in making this team the best that it can be. So I think a manager, whoever the manager comes in, certainly there are leadership qualities and, and key, um, key abilities in that role. But understanding and how to use information will be a, a, a big part of that too. Somebody asked Falvey if he'd be interested in hiring a manager or would he be willing to hire a manager with no previous experience. Uh, Falvey didn't hire Paul Molitor, but Molitor did not have major league experience when they hired him. And you're seeing a whole bunch of new managers that do not have that experience, whether it's Craig Council in Milwaukee, um, Boone in New York. There's a new type of manager that probably didn't exist 20 years ago um, no surprise, Falvey did not rule anybody out. They're going to cast a wide net. Yeah, I, I think that certainly we look across baseball right now and we see managers of all types, uh, guys with uh, more recent playing experience, those with uh, a number of years of experience in the dugout. I, I would say that uh, we're going to evaluate each candidate. We don't have one specific defined type of candidate that we need to, we need to find. There are certainly, as Thad mentioned, qualities that we're looking for, but we would be open to um, uh, managers with a number of manager candidates with a number of different types of backgrounds that's it those are the highlights from the press conference if you like this episode let me know shoot me a note on twitter or on my facebook page Derek wetmore mlb like i said we can do more of these episodes if you guys would like them every time we have press conference access we've got the possibility of shooting something like this if you're looking for more on the paul molitor news just check out our other podcasts we've got several of them up there now and without further ado, here's my radio interview with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad, along with Manny Hill. And I think that something Paul and Thad and I all discussed this morning was what what has transpired over the last 12 months. We, we went into this season with a certain expectation around continued growth and development off of last year. Certainly we took a step backward you know, um, as, as a team collectively this year. And as we thought about where we are now and moving into next year and the years beyond, uh, we're in, we believe we're in a slightly different spot around continuing to grow these, these young players and thinking about what the long-term timeline looks like. Now, I will say, in conversation with Paul last year at that time, we did talk about what the future could look like if he wasn't managing, and it, 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 and it's never the right time to make a difficult decision, and it's never easy. You have to weigh all the factors that we learned about this team this year, where we are, what we need to do moving forward, and we felt like now was the time to have that conversation with Paul. All right, Mackie and Judd, back at full strength here, and uh, Derek Wetmore. Was that target field for that press conference? You just heard a clip there from Derek Falvey, and there's so many things to dive into here. Uh, Jason Stark was awesome with you guys about a half hour ago. But, Derek, what do you think? I know that they were their answers were very much, there wasn't one reason why Paul Molitor wasn't brought back. It was multiple reasons. If there was one reason at the top of the list, though, what do you, what, what's your sense? What would, be, what, have, what would have been the number one reason why they didn't want to bring Paul Molitor back? I'm going to take a cop-out answer, Phil, and give you two because there was all the talk that when Folly was hired that Jim Polat is the one who said the condition of any new front office type coming in is that they keep Paul Molitor. He had a year left on his contract at that time. So the perception outwardly is, well, they didn't get to pick their guy. And then the guy goes into the final year of his contract, 
makes it to the playoffs and wins AL Manager of the Year, pretty tough to move on. So I think that is a fair perception. That is something that's very real. The other thing that was kind of buried in the weeds there um, is that this conversation started taking place last year, that they talked with Molly about what a transition out of that role might look like at some point in the future. I think the natural conclusion is that they probably talked about that at, at the time last year and said, does this make sense now? No, okay, well, let's do a three-year deal and just so we can lay the groundwork for what it might look like in the future. If you're looking for a reason for, for why you would do that, I think it's as simple as saying that Paul Molitor connecting with certain young players might not have been there the way that they wanted it to in a managerial role in 2018, 2019, and beyond. Um, knowing Molitor just a tiny little bit from covering this team the past few years, He's a very intrinsically motivated guy. He's very driven. You've got to bring your own energy to the park every day. And Thad Levine mentioned something in passing during that press conference about today's player needing certain resources to thrive. They didn't say he can't connect with young players. They just said today's player needs certain resources to thrive, whether it's motivational or otherwise. And I would just point to those two things as as being reasons that ultimately – even though there's two years left on the deal, they were willing to move on at this point. In your mind, Derek, how, how much of this, uh, to back up to the point that you just made, comes to, comes down to two simple things. Finding the right person to get the most out of Sano and Buxton. It's a great question. I don't think you're going to hire somebody just to make two guys happy. I don't think if you got Miguel and Byron in a room and said, who do you guys want? I don't think you can just take that. I know that's not what your question is, but I think that if you look at the Twins in 2019 going forward, there's a handful of young players who are going to be so critical over the next five years, and if they flop, this team's going to have a hard time, even if they spend $100 million this winter in free agency to make their club better. The flip side of that coin, if three, four, five of those young players really realize their full potential – this team's in a really good spot to supplement with good players in free agency this winter and have a contender as early as next year. So con- connecting with not only those two, but other young players, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Polanco, maybe Max Kepler's still a part of the future plans. If you can connect with those players, you've got a leg up on other candidates. But I also, it was pretty clear that in this, at this point, they want it to seem like they don't have a, a profile in mind of a manager and this, the cynical take would be, yeah, right, you've got your short list, you know your guy. But I will point to the fact that in a lot of other hires they've made, they've gone kind of a non-traditional route when they had the easy out. They could have hired a big-name pitching coach, and they went with Garvin Alston. They could have hired a hitting coach that you'd heard of, and they went and got a guy from the Yankees organization in James Rosen that has had success with the Twins. So I don't know if they have their short list, but anybody that's going to find their way onto that list I wouldn't rule out non-traditional people, and I also would say, to your point, Judd, connecting with guys like Buxton and Sano and Rosario and on and on down that list, I think that's going to be critically important to the next manager. So, Derek, what should reasonable expectations be next year for this club? Because they do have some pieces in place that have bright futures, but there's also still a lot of uncertainty in a lot of different positions and a lot of different areas. So what should reasonable expectations be or, or I guess what what are Derek and Fad sort of expecting now for the team next year like where are they at do they yeah. feel like they're sort of hitting a reset button here or do they feel like 
obviously with all the money coming off the books that they're going to go gung-ho on spending a lot of money and trying to contend next year. Yeah, I think it's way more of the second one. I, I think that the Twins' upper management views this team as ready to pop. Now, fair or unfair, that's their expectation. And and truthfully, I think of, as observers, as fans, we should hold them to that standard too. This team should be ready to pop. They have some good young players. They took a step back to 78 wins this year. But they've got a ton of money to go spend. And if they were out there at the podium today talking about how they didn't have a chance that this was going to be a total reset – well, I think that'd be bad news for their job security, given that you'd already gone through the reset. You are the reset. They came in two years ago and uh, sort of expected this team to be on the rise. And you got to look across the division and say, how how close are the Twins to the Cleveland Indians? And right now there's a big gap. But like I mentioned, the Twins are going to have a lot of money to spend this winter. And I think uh, as fans and media, we should – expect that they're going to go out and do something. I think they're going to set their expectations on that. Uh, I wouldn't be too surprised to see the Twins involved in some of the premium free agents, at least the discussions for this winter with the eye on contending next year. Yeah, Derek Wetmore. Uh, Derek, I know you're busy, and well, let's say goodbye to Derek. We have a Touch Em All podcast if people want to listen to it from uh, a couple hours ago. But uh, you're busy. You go dominate and go find the Twins' next manager, and we'll talk to you cool. later this it week. It might be Phil. <laughs> I've got a recommendation or two. <laughs> Go talk to the boys. See what they say. You never know. Uh, see you, Wetmore. See you, Bye. Derek. See, you, Derek. see you, guys. All right. Derek Wetmore from 1500ESPN.com and the Touch Em All podcast. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A do operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This... Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and 328 23.